Praise God. How many of uh, how many of us here have prayers on the on the fire, so to speak, and are, are waiting for things or are praying to God? And I would guess every single hand would would probably go up that there's something that we're praying for and believing for and waiting for. And one of the most challenging things in life is 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 how do I wait uh, for something that I've been praying for, and how do I wait for something that I have a need for? And and many times it, it feels urgent. You know, and we all we know uh, both intellectually and spiritually that everything is in God's time. But that still doesn't negate the fact that while we are here in the uh, here and now, we're walking around in the physical, that we're kind of like, okay, God, this is day 58, you know, and where are you? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm still here, Lord, I'm still here. Well, um, there are many things in Scripture that that gives us reassurance on how to carry out that 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 waiting time, and I'm sure you've heard you've heard a lot of them before uh, about waiting on God, but there are some fundamental things that we as Christians many times overlook, and that is we are not in this waiting uh, battle, so to speak, for want of a better term. We're not in this waiting game, so to speak, by ourselves, that we have Holy Spirit. And so part of today's message is going to be firstly on, on Holy Spirit, so that we can get a foundation of who it is that helps us through this period of time. You know, if I say to you, just wait on what God is telling you, what you're praying for, just wait, you know, then you kind of get the sense that, well, that's me just waiting and I'm by myself that's doing the waiting. Well, you're not by yourself. You are not. Okay? And, and, and Holy Spirit is here to guide you and to help you. But first we need to understand who, who Holy Spirit is. One thing that I noticed some, some time back, and some of you in Bible study may have heard me say this because we had a teaching on Holy Spirit, is one of the things that we need to get out of, out of the habit of saying, and it's kind of unconscious because it's just the way we've been kind of taught to say it, is calling Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit. If you notice, you may or may not have noticed that in my preaching and in my writings and things like that, I never say the Holy Spirit. When we're talking about God, we say God. When we're praying, we say Father. We're talking about Jesus Christ, we say Jesus, Lord Jesus, etc. But every time it comes to Holy Spirit, we say the Holy Spirit. So what that can do to us subconsciously is that we kind of relegate him to a, 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 to a, a um, uh, an impersonal entity, so to speak. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm fishing for words here. When you're saying the, it's like I say the pulpit or the chair, like it's an inanimate object. He is not. He is not. He is one of the Godhead. He is one of the God, and he is just as much God as God the Father and God the Son, Jesus Christ. So one of the things that we need to kind of practice in our own minds and in our psyche is to get out of the habit of saying the Holy Spirit. Even if you're writing, instead of saying the Holy Spirit, simply say Holy Spirit. And this will help to make Holy Spirit a little more personal to you and let you know that he is a part of the Godhead. He is, he is the Spirit of God that God has given to you as one of his children. Amen? So first of, first of all, we want to understand that. Uh, we need him in order to be victorious, especially in these times. You need him to be victorious, especially when you're in a period of waiting. Again, it's getting to the point of remembering that I'm not just waiting for this thing by myself. You know, you know. I was waiting in, in Les Schwab to have our um, to have my vehicle repaired. What was that in there for tires or something? Anyway, and while I was sitting there, one of the things I hate do the most outside of going to the dentist is waiting in an auto place to be called. You know, you just kind of sit there and you look at the whatever they have there for you to look at. And then it said, it, it dawned on me, well, you're not here by yourself. <laughs> you know, you're not here by yourself. And so I spent some time in prayer. I had my tablet with me. I pulled out my tablet and it started reading scripture. And next thing you know, the time zipped by and I was called and everything went out. It got a cheaper price than what I thought I was going to get. So, I mean, so it wound up being a good experience, you know. And as I was walking back and getting into my car and reflecting on it later, Later on, it, it hit me, see, now, see how God can make the most tedious situation a pleasurable experience. If you just remember that you're not doing this by yourself. That you have Holy Spirit to guide you. You have God, God the Father. Jesus is in you and you are in Jesus. So you're not doing this thing all by yourself. Holy Spirit was always that we are in a particularly, really 
nice place, a neat place, so to speak, because in, 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 ancient, in ancient times, you know, ancient Israel, Old Testament times, Holy Spirit was not available to every single individual. Holy Spirit was simply poured out upon the prophets as God saw fit. Those people that he saw to be, to be truly righteous man, Abraham and so on like that, you know, Holy Spirit poured out Holy Spirit. Many of the scriptures in Old Testament start out, and the Holy Spirit came upon so-and-so, and he said, the Holy Spirit came upon so-and-so, and then he said, so it was at select times. After the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have Holy Spirit available to us all. Amen. So we are in such a unique, neat place, much unlike, uh, very unlike it was in the Old Testament times, you see. But as usual, you can't take my word for it, so let's go to the Word of God, and let's just reinforce some of the scriptures that we've all read um, many times before, but uh, you know, it, it's good to revisit scripture that you've read before, because you never know when Holy Spirit is going to give you a revelation, you personally a revelation that you didn't have before. That's the most wonderful thing about reading the Word of God. Unlike any other book written or published on this planet Earth, this is the one book that has um, managed to stay at the top of the Times bestsellers list, if you will, okay, has been at the top of the list uh, for all of these uh, millennia. Amen? So looking at Acts chapter 1, and going, starting with verse number 1, Acts chapter 1, starting with verse number 1, okay? And we're talking about here again now that when you're in this waiting time for God to answer your prayer or to do whatever, whatever it is that you're looking for, and what I'm saying here today is that, first of all, to help you with this wait, that you are not here by yourself, you're not going through this wait uh, all alone. But we're talking about Holy Spirit now and who He is and how He fits into your life. So starting with Acts chapter 1, verse number 1. The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after he, through the Holy Spirit, now I know Scripture says the Holy Spirit, but through Holy Spirit, um, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen by them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, and being assembled together with them, commanded them, underline commanded them, that they should not depart from Jerusalem. Underline they should not depart from Jerusalem. Commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which, saith he, you have heard from me. And just to pause there for a moment, back in verse number 3. To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible, underline the word, infallible proofs, being seen by them for 40 days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Should you run into these, I can't think of a better word than dimwits, that try to say that the whole process, crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ was bogus and it was... It was a dream state, you know, of a handful of people. Well, that is not so. And there are other books, if you even read um, Josephus, who was a, uh, a Greek historian of the time, uh, even he testifies to the fact that Jesus Christ indeed was seen after the resurrection. Okay? So this was not a trick. This was not a trick. As there have been some books that have written that Jesus was, there was one that was called the, um, what was it, the, the, the Passover plot written back in the 70s there and some of you shaking head you're familiar with it and it basically said that they, when they gave him that sponge of vinegar that it was really a drug and he fell into a death like state he wasn't really dead they took him down and then later on revived him etc etc uh, he died Jesus died and was resurrected and, but the point here is that it says in the word of God that for 40 days he walked the earth before he went to the father and he was seen by many and it says infallible proofs so that means there are things here that cannot be denied, that cannot be disproven. Amen? So we need to have that resting sure in our spirits because if that isn't certain in your spirit, then it's certainly hard for you to even imagine Holy Spirit and what the following verses are going to say. Um, continuing, um, verse number 5. 
For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with Holy Spirit. Not many days from now. So this was part of the commandment to go to Jerusalem, okay, and to wait. And, uh, and it says, for you will be baptized with Holy Spirit not many days from now. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, will thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons with the, which the Father has put in his own power. Please underline or highlight all of verse number seven. It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power. So don't be worrying about when Jesus is, recom- is, is returning. It's not for us to know or to be concerned about. Just know that he is coming. He is going to return. That that is indeed a fact. Continues in verse number eight. But you shall receive power after Holy Spirit is come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. So he says in verse number 8, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Please underline that. You shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Now, if you have a red letter Bible, these words are written in red, meaning that this is Jesus Christ speaking this. Okay? So Jesus is saying to you, Okay, not just to them, but to you. You shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You see? So, Holy Spirit has come upon you, so that means that you have a power. But when you go, you have power. But when you're going through this waiting period, and it seems like such a practice in futility, everything that you're doing just does not seem to work or does not make it any easier. Remember that you have Holy Spirit in you. And with you, you have that power, a power that is of Holy Spirit. He, he continues in verse number 9 and says, And when he had spoken these things, while he beheld, he was taken up and a cloud receives him out of their sight and uh, and while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up behold two men stood by them in white apparel who also said you men of Galilee why stand you gazing up into heaven the same Jesus who is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven please align that um, so shall uh, in, in some sorry so <laughs> shall so come in like manner as he have seen him go up into heaven. Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is, uh, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they were come in, they went into an upper room where abode Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, <coughs> the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. These all continued with uh, one accord, please underline, with one accord in prayer and supplications with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, Jesus and with his brethren. Okay, so they went there to the upper room, but the important thing there in verse number 14, please highlight, these all continued with one accord in prayer. There's such an importance on being on one accord. Um, a husband and wife has a difficult time in marriage if they're not on one accord, okay, pertaining to the things of God. That does not mean that you don't ever have disagreements. That is not true. You will have disagreements. But being on one accord as far as the things of God is concerned is critical. In a household, in a family, being on one accord pertaining to the things things of the Lord. Uh, In in a ministry, being on one accord pertaining to the things of the Lord is very, very important. Um, Being on one accord is of major significance, um, not only in the things, and I hesitate to use the word positive light, pertain to the things of God, but being on one accord is, 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 is special to God or noticeable to God, even in things in, in a negative light. And again, I put that in quotes. And for case in point there is look at the Tower of Babel. All right? When they had gotten together there, all of these pagans had gotten together, and what did they say they were going to do? They were going to build a tower into the heavens. Okay, Nimrod basically wanted to exalt himself to the heavens, to exalt himself above God, which sounds very similar to someone else that we know, and that's Lucifer himself. So the minute that they decided to do this, and you read, you read scripture, it talks about building the Tower of Babel. It said that God looked down and saw that they were all on one accord. Okay? So even in things dealing with evil, even in negative things, if there's something about on people being on one accord that makes things happen in the spiritual realm, all right? So God, obviously, you know what happened there. He destroyed it and confused their their tongues so that they had to disperse and so on. So being on one accord pertaining to the things of God uh, in a relationship, in a ministry, and things that's in your life is very, very important. Okay, so, all right. So anyway, so they went there and they were waiting for the Holy Spirit while they were on one accord. So now we go to the second chapter of Acts. 
the key scriptures here. Again, I'm going to these fundamental scriptures to remind you, uh, going back again, Old Testament times, Holy Spirit was only given to man as God saw fit. All right? But then after the, the death and resurrection, crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ, God promised Holy Spirit. And then in chapter number 2, verse number 1, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord, there it is again, one accord in one place, please in the line, with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And I'll just, I just want to just pause there. So you see there, that Holy Spirit came upon them, um, and this was this was uh, 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and hence is where the word Pentecost comes from. Penta meaning 50. Okay, 50 days after the res- resurrection of, of Jesus. Uh, I'm sorry, after the ascension of Jesus, and um, and then so and this ushered in the church age. This ushered in the formal quote-unquote church age and the fact that Holy Spirit is now made available to all of us. It wasn't just, Holy Spirit was not just for the prophets as God saw fit. This ushered in the quote-unquote the church age and the availability of Holy Spirit to all of us. Now, what does that have to do with when I'm waiting for an answer or waiting for something to materialize in my life? What does that have to do with the price of eggs, as some may say? First, you must believe that you have Holy Spirit. Okay? You have to believe that you have Holy Spirit. If you can't believe that, then everything else that I'm about to say is probably going to be difficult for you to really, really grasp. Okay? If you um, gave yourself to Jesus Christ and confessed Jesus as Lord, all right, Lord and Savior, you're born again. According to the Word of God, you're born again. Now, God did not give you a certificate or a diploma for you to hang on your wall. You know, you look for what physical proof, proof that there is of the fact that you're born again. There is no physical proof, okay, other than the physical proof that should manifest in your life is the change that comes about you as you carry out your life. But there's no plaque that God gives you to say that you're born again. You know that you're born again because of the word of God and by your faith. And by your faith, all right? And the same way this scripture is talking about Holy Spirit being poured out upon you, upon, upon all flesh, upon all those that are followed, following Jesus Christ, then you have to believe that in your spirit and know that by faith you have Holy Spirit, okay? And then how will that proof come, so to speak? I put that in quotes. How does that proof come? That proof comes by how you, how your life is being managed, so to speak, and how your life is being carried out. How you wind up dealing with things that come into your life that can be troublesome. How you wind up dealing with situations that can be troublesome. How you wind up dealing with people that can be troublesome. Because now you are no longer, you, 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 you should see the difference between how you dealt with a problem before you accepted Jesus Christ or became really conscious or cognizant of the fact that you have Holy Spirit in you, and how you are carrying on your life now today that you are aware of, your, of the fact that you do have Holy Spirit. Okay? Now, it sounds like I'm speaking a lot of gobbledygook. What I'm saying to you is that life before you understood that you have Holy Spirit was probably more difficult than it is now that you realize that you do. And even if you are kind of struggling with things that are going on in your life, the key point that you should be realizing is that I have Holy Holy Spirit, and now I do not have to rely on myself to solve the problem, that I do not have to rely on, on, on my own wits and my own figuring out how do I make this thing happen or how does this thing come to pass, but I have Holy Spirit in me to guide me, okay? Maybe an easier way is before you, you had Holy Spirit, before you realized you had Holy Spirit, because you're born again, the Word of God says that you're sealed with the Spirit, so you have Holy Spirit. Before you realized that I knew how to um, consult Holy Spirit or work with Holy Spirit, when you had a problem in your life, you went about one way of trying to solve it. You were banging your head against the wall and so on like that. Now that you come to the realization that I have Holy Spirit, your life should take a different, a different track, so to speak, in how you go about solving a problem or how you go about waiting. And that's what we're going to get into because you have Holy Spirit. As I said a moment ago, when I was sitting in Les Schwab, I realized that I didn't have to sit there and wait out that painful wait by myself. 
I had the word of God. I had Holy Spirit. There was someone else that I could talk to, someone that I could pray with. And that would help me to get through that waiting time in that boring Les Schwab. Amen. Amen. So you wind up dealing with the problem a different way. All right. Many years I've been sitting in, in auto places waiting to have cars repaired. And there was everything I could think of to make the time pass. Outside pacing, trying to figure who I can call on the cell phone or whatever. And before they had cell phones, it was worse than that. I mean, what do you do? <laughs> what do you do? Amen. So it's how you deal with the problem pre-Holy Spirit, so to speak, in your life. Pre-realization of Holy Spirit in your life. Relative to post-realization of Holy Spirit in your life. Dealing with the problem differently. Okay, this is how we're going to see how it ties in into your waiting. So you must believe, first of all, that God will give you strength to carry on while you are waiting. So many times, I mean, it seems like such a drudgery, you know, when you're waiting for something, especially if if you're if you're waiting for something that requires um, an action by you to someone else. You have a, a, a note that's due, a car note that's due, or something else that is due, and you're waiting and you're praying for the ability to do that, you know, or you're praying for for a house, you know, a job, a position, or whatever it might be. And then in the meantime, day by day by day, it's a drudgery to get through that, you know. So how do you wait? How do how do you wait? You, you know, you know, how, how do I how do I call on God to fill that gap? Because it's easy for me to stand up and say, wait on the Lord, wait on the Lord, and you say, fine. When you get you say to Pastor, get in my shoes and see how comfortable it feels to be waiting on God. Amen. So what there is to do here, we need to realize that we have have Holy Spirit and that um, God will give us strength. Let's go to Isaiah. The book of Isaiah. Isaiah 40. Isaiah 40 and, um, let's see, verse 28. Isaiah 40, verse 28. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Isaiah 40, verse 28. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, faints not. Please underline, faints not. Neither is weary. Underline, neither is weary. Okay? So hast thou not known. First of all, do you clearly understand that our God, the creator of all that there is, doesn't get tired, doesn't get weary, he doesn't faint, he doesn't pass out, he doesn't give up. All right? He's an all-powerful God. And this is your God. The same God that created the heavens and the earth, everything seen and everything unseen is your God. And God does not get tired. The other thing is that God loves you. God knows the needs that you have in your life. God knows your, your trials, your tribulations, your anxieties. He knows what they are. And God does not tire. He, he doesn't. He does not. Does not give up. He is not like. He's. He's not like those. Uh, you remember the um, the events uh, with um, the prophets of Baal, Elijah and the prophets of Baal, when they he challenged them to, oh, okay, you know, you call down your gods, okay, and whoever can can uh, ignite the fire, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, you know, I'll call on my god and see who wins. And while they were up there shouting, and I love that story. I mean, those events, the account there, while up there shouting and everything like that, there was no answer. They started cutting themselves, which was their custom. There was no answer. You know, Elijah said, ah, where's your God? You know, he said something to the effect of, has he gone fishing or something like that? Elijah made a joke about it, basically. And there's no response. Okay, Elijah called on God, and the fire came down from heaven. Amen. So our God does not go fishing. He, he is not. He, he does not get weary. He does not get tired of, of acting in, in, on your behalf. Verse 29. He gives power to the faint. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. Please highlight all of verse number 29. He gives power to the faint, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. So first it says that, that our God, creator of all that is, doesn't faint, nor does he tire. But he gives power to the faint and to those who have no might. When you're going through that waiting period, and everything seems to be so hopeless, whatever it might be. And whenever it may be the situation that you're in, you're tired of 
You're tired of putting up with whatever that, that situation is. It says there that he gives power to the faint. So if you are the faint, God can give you the power to get through this waiting time that you're going, that you're going through. Whatever it is that you might be waiting for to materialize and you're feeling like, I'm just not getting any place. Oh boy, this is so humdrum. Oh boy, another Monday morning. Oh boy, another this, another that. God will give you the strength, the power to the faint. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths shall, shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall, okay? But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. So going back to verse number 30, it says, Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. Boy, oh boy. When I was a young man, a youngster, believe it or not, I used to play basketball. I loved handball. We'd be out on the handball courts for literally from almost sunrise till, till my mom called me in for dinner. And then I still wanted to stay out and play more and just go, 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 you know. And then on into my teen years after I got beyond playing handball so regularly, you know, I'd get out and, boy, couldn't wait till Friday night and put in a full day's work, go home and shower and go out and party. In those days, uh, into the wee night hours, go home in time just to shower and go straight to work. You know, maybe one hour of sleep, you fall across the foot of the bed and you wake up and you just keep going on. All right, all right, as, as a youth, okay? But, but on, on a wholesome side, how much more energy you have when you are a young person. But what this is saying here is that even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fail. Fall. Okay, even the youth shall faint. But they that wait, underline the word faith, wait, and then write the word faith next to it. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Underline, renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. Underline, they shall mount up with wings like eagles. If you've ever seen an eagle, an eagle fly, and I'm sure many of you have being here in the Northwest, unlike other birds who really spend a lot of time flapping and whatnot, an eagle will give like one tremendous flap and then soar, and then soar, you know. He gets the updraft of the hot air that's going up and he simply, he rises above and he just soars. You don't see him flapping and flapping and flapping. Conversely, you think about a yard bird chicken, whatever you call it, a chicken in the yard. And what do they do? They flap furiously when they're running and get no place. Skip and hop off the ground. I guess they're not intended to fly, but they sure act like they're trying. But an eagle just gives that one gracious flap of his wings, and the thing soars, you know. It rises on the hot air. So when it says here that you shall mount up like wings as eagles, that means that, in this case, the hot air being Holy Spirit, will just have you to soar, to just soar. You won't be expending energy. That's the point. Those that wait upon the Lord, all right? So if you're waiting for something and you're waiting for God and you're waiting on the Lord, then during that time, remember that God's going to give you strength and give you energy, whereas a younger person or someone that doesn't have Holy Spirit might fail, you know, because they run out of strength, that God will give you strength and you shall mount up with wings as eagles. You shall soar on the Holy Spirit. This is where Holy Spirit comes in, why I was talking so much about Holy Spirit. If you believe that you have Holy Spirit in you to guide you and advise you, then as you're waiting for this thing, or while you're in this troublesome period of time, and you call on Holy Spirit to guide you and to lead you, you simply flap your wings, so to speak, and let Holy Spirit lift you up above the trouble. You see? And when you lift it up above the trouble, then you will, you will not experience the, 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 the pain of waiting so much. All right? In essence, again, going back to Les Schwab, in a way, now that I think about it, you know, deciding to, to, to read scripture and to sit there and just quietly pray while I was waiting for my car to be worked on was my flapping my wings and, and letting Holy Spirit lift me up above the waiting time so that all, all of a sudden I heard my name called and the time was done. You see? So Holy Spirit lifted me up above that waiting so I did not experience the pain and the boredom of the waiting. You see? You see? So, so, so if God can do that in such a trivial thing like waiting for a car repair, God will so much more do that for something that is more important in your life because God does not want you struggling. God does not want you flapping around like a chicken in the, in the yard on a farm someplace just to just barely escaping things and getting from point A to point B. You see? So you have to remember to call on Holy Spirit because He's there and let Him guide you. you, you you know, you know, other people around you may faint. 
You're still waiting for that? I mean, why don't you just give up? Why don't this and that? Say, I have my God. I have my God. God said to wait on him. And that's what I'm going to do. And during that time of waiting, how do I live this out? This long, drawn out time is you just call on Holy Spirit and let him lift you up. Let him carry you. Let him carry you. Others around you may faint. They may faint. They may give up. You see? But you're relying on Holy Spirit, so you shall not. All right? And, and, and it just says, shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. All right? So running and not being weary in your situation is where you are still going through whatever it is that you're going through while you're waiting on God. But you won't be weary. You won't tire of it. Amen. You, 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 you'll, you'll get energy. God will guide you through it. He will take you through it. And they shall walk and not faint. Amen. So that means walking again. You're living, this, you're living through whatever this waiting period is. You're letting Holy Spirit guide you. You're flapping your wing like maybe once a day and letting Holy Spirit just guide you, lift you up above the problem. And then you're going to walk through your daily experience until God reveals to you whatever it is that he wants to do for you. Amen. Amen. So then we see here then. The Holy Spirit will, will, will guide you. Um, and, and, and just look at some of the things that Holy Spirit... Let's go back to the book of Acts. Look at Holy Spirit in action here. Acts 16. In terms of guiding you. You know, you may say, well, okay, that's fine. Um, he's going to guide me. But where? <laughs> you know, where is he, where is he going to guide me? You know, every, everyone's experience is, is different, you know. Well, well, God is wise enough to realize that the thing that you're waiting for is not the same thing that I'm waiting for. Amen. And God knows that your situation and where you're living, you know, where you are living physically as well as spiritually, God knows where you live, both physically and spiritually. Amen. And God knows that it's not the same place as the person sitting next to you. Amen. But he will, he will guide and also provide. Um, Acts 16. Uh, verse number one. Okay. I'm going to start way back on one just so that you get, get the scriptures in context that we're going to focus on. Uh, <clears throat> then, came he, then came he to Derby and Lystra. And behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain woman who was a Jewess and believed. But his father was a Greek. Timothy was well reported of by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium. Him, him, uh, him would Paul have to go forth with him and took and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those quarters. For they all knew that his father was a Greek. And as they went through the cities, they delivered them the, de- the decrees to keep that were ordained of the apostles and elders who were at Jerusalem. And so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. So you see, so, so these guys were, were going out. They were seeding, seeding and setting up churches. Okay, they were on a mission, so to speak, all right? And they were doing various things. Verse number six. Now, when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the uh, region of Galatia and were forbidden by Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia, after they were come to Mysia, they attempted to go into um, Bithynia, but the Spirit allowed them not. So please underline in verse number six, um, were, and were forbidden by Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. And then in verse number seven, underline, but the Spirit allowed them not. So as you're going through this waiting period, you know, and you'll have all sorts of brilliant ideas how to make your waiting period easier. Boy, this would sound like a cool thing to do. Why don't I do this? Or someone may come along trying to help you and say, well, while you're waiting, why don't you do this? Why don't you take this action? Why don't you say this? Why don't you do that? Holy Spirit now, recognizing again who he is, he's one of the Godhead. He's not the Holy Spirit. He is Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is in you and Holy Spirit is guiding you. You're going to flap your wings, okay, and soar. Let the the upward draft of Holy Spirit lift you up above the waiting period. During that period of time, you'll get these thoughts, some on your own and some from others. And we've already learned that others, loved ones, family and friends, can be, can be the sources of the worst kind of advice. God bless them. <laughs> God bless them. They're not trying to hurt you. They're not trying to do you harm. But maybe it's not in line with what God wants you to do. But what did it say here? They thought they would go to this place. They thought they would go to that place. Holy Spirit, uh-uh-uh. You don't do that. So during this time that you're waiting, 
for your prayer to be answered, for whatever it is that you're waiting for to come to pass. Holy Spirit will guide you. You know, it may be a decision in the office place. It may be something that you want to do, do relative to your work. It could be anything like that. And maybe you think it's a good idea, but then all of a sudden, just before you execute that idea, you hear Holy Spirit say to you, no, no, no. I don't want you to go there. I don't want you to do that. I don't want you to do this. You see, you see, you see. And, and, and this can involve so many things in our lives. It can involve a decision that we're about to make based on evidence or based on things that have come into our world kind of unexpectedly. And then we are about to make a decision to take an action, to go to a place, to, to do something, to, to, to spend money or whatever it might be, you see. And if you're waiting on, your, on the Lord and you're listening to the Holy Spirit, you'll hear Holy Spirit distinctly tell you, do not go there. Okay? Do not go there physically and do not go there in terms of do not take that action. Don't go there. Or making that decision. Don't go there. Don't make that decision. You see? Okay? Because you're relying on Holy Spirit. Okay? The same way he was guiding them there. They thought it would be a cool thing to do. They were successfully raising churches in these other places. So now all of a sudden it says that, that um, they had gone through Friday, forbidden by, okay? And after they came to Mysore, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit allowed them not. They attempted to go. So to me, that sounds like they went on and bought the boat tickets. <laughs> Okay, they were planning to go. They already made the arrangements. And Holy Spirit said, no, don't go there, you see. So we have to be sensitive enough, astute enough, and sharp enough to hear Holy Spirit in our lives telling us, do not do something, do not take an action. Because the, the most critical thing is that many, many times the action that we want to take ourselves will be an action that we think to ourselves is a good action. Okay? And we can confuse that action as being God telling us to do that action. Okay? Because very rarely, very rarely, unless there's something, you know, going on mentally with you, you know, where you like punishing yourself, very rarely are you going to tell yourself to do something that is harmful to yourself. Amen? Very, very rarely. Amen? Amen? So you telling yourself to do something, uh, coming up with a great idea, many times can sound like God. But this is why we have the Word of God, and this is why we have Holy Spirit. Because while something may sound good to you, may make sense to you, you need to check it with the Lord. You need to check it. God, what I think I'm hearing you say, or what I'm feeling in my spirit is too. If this is what I should do, Lord, then give me a sign, give me some confirmation. Let me know that this is where I want to go. Okay? Alright? All right. And then, then you know, okay, Lord, again now, I'm going to go on and I'm going to step outside the door. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on and buy that ticket, okay? And I've seen, when there was some place I wasn't supposed to go, and I was on the internet trying to find a good price, I could not find a good price. Or the seat, the seat where I wanted to sit, okay? I could not find a good price, or the timing, or whatever. All right? And so when I stopped, I said, okay, well, maybe, God, you don't want me to, to go there, okay? All the trips that I made coming here to Salem before we moved to Salem, all those speaking and ministering engagements, all right? Prayed about those things very, very carefully. Very, very carefully. All right, before. You know, and many times, no, I call him up, sorry. Call Oregon, sorry, but I, I can't, can't go on that particular date. It's, it's God is not, it's not lining up for me to go on that date. I'm not saying that I couldn't have gone on and just pushed and pushed and pushed until I found something that would get me here, but God knows what would have gone on if I had. Amen? Amen? So you, so you, you got to listen. You, you really got to listen because Holy Spirit will forbid you. Now, if you've got Holy Spirit in you, you know, you, you, this is again now, it goes back to you knowing Holy Spirit, and you can't know Holy Spirit intellectually. You can't know Him by just reading about the fact that He exists. All right? The only way you get to know Holy Spirit is by dealing with Him, by communicating with Him. Amen? Getting to know His voice. Because he will confirm, all right? So to continue here, um, verse number 8. And they, passing by Mysia, came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia beseeching him and saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel unto them. 
Therefore, losing from Troyes, we came with a straight course to Samothracia, and the next day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is in the chief city, that part of Macedonia, and a colony, and we were in that city abiding certain days. And on the Sabbath, we went out of the city by a riverside where prayer was accustomed to be made, and we sat down and spoken to the women who resorted there. All right? So you see the interesting thing there, it says in verse number um, okay, 8, it says, uh, and they, passing by Mysia, came to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul at night. You see, so Holy Spirit came to them at that point. He said, before he said, I don't want you to go here, I don't want you to go here, here but this is where I want you to go. You see, so when you're following Holy Spirit during this time of waiting, where you may be, where, where, where God may, may, may forbid you to do something or to take this particular action or to do, do whatever, the action that he does want you to take, you'll know. He'll let you know. He'll let you know. You know and then he will also confirm it. He will indeed let you know. So this is being guided by Holy Spirit. You see, and it said there that um, the Lord had called him to preach the gospel. And then he went on, and then in verse number 13, where there was much prayer. You know, and a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple in the city of Tyatira, who worshipped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she, uh, she attended unto the things which were spoken by Paul. You see, as a result of doing what God told them to do. And when she was baptized and her household, she besought us, saying, If if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she and she constrained us. All right. So here you see in verse number 15, even that while God guided them, God also supplied their need. All right. She also she, she fed them. You see, God not only told them where to go, but also made provision for the things that they needed, the things of life, eating and shelter and so on. And as a result, this woman was baptized. You see, so again, the work of the Holy Spirit was being done. God was glorified through them obeying what Holy Spirit told them to do. You see, and this is where we with the waiting thing, you see, you know, if, if, if you know, you're looking for something again in, in your life, there's something that you're praying for, praying about, and you're waiting for it materialized. And maybe God is saying, no, don't do this, don't go here, don't do this or whatever the thing that God that God does tell you to do if you follow what it is he's telling you to do he's going to wind up being glorified in this case a woman was baptized you see you see and as a result then of God being glorified in your life by following what God is telling you to do someone else may wind up being blessed thereby God being glorified God's work coming to coming to fruition you see and then indeed God will, will, will bless you by supplying your need all during this time of your waiting okay you're still waiting maybe you're still waiting for this big thing to happen out here but just remember that during that time of waiting God is going to supply what you need He'll be there. He'll give you the strength. He'll lift you up so you'll soar like, a, like, an, uh, 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 like an eagle. You, you won't get tired. You won't be weary of waiting. You'll get through whatever it is that you're trying to get through. Okay? And then in just a couple of more scriptures here, let's go to Habakkuk. Habakkuk. He's tucked in there between Nahum and uh, Zephaniah. Habakkuk, and I know you're familiar with these scriptures, Habakkuk chapter 2, Habakkuk chapter 2. Waiting can be hard and can be challenging, especially when there's something that seems like it's such a rush. It's so critical for you to accomplish. It can be really challenging, but we have to wait on the Lord. Back at chapter 2 and verse number 2. Well, go to number 1. 2 verse number 1. I will stand upon my watch and set myself upon the tower and will watch to see what he will say unto me and what I shall answer when I am reproved. And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain upon tablets. Write the vision and make it plain upon tablets, that he may run that reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come. 
it will not tarry. Okay? So it's saying here to write the vision. Things that you're praying for, things that you're hoping for. You know, I have a little, uh, I got a recorder on my nightstand, pieces of paper. I got post-its in the bathroom, you know, where things come to mind. I write a post-it and stick it on the mirror because I see it first thing in the morning when I get up to brush my teeth and so on. Write things down. Write things down that you're hearing from Holy Spirit, you know, or things that you're praying for and waiting for. Write them down. Write them down. Amen. Amen. So that when you see it, you can take an action. Run for it. So that you, there can be an action that's taken, you know. You know, God wakes you up. You know, you, you wake up, and you've heard me say this before, you know, you get awakened every night. For me, it's 3.33. I wake up. I see 3.33, 3 o'clock in the morning, 33 minutes after 3. I, and I just wake up, not with a start, not like with a nightmare, but I just lay all of a sudden my eyes just open. Like that, just quiet. I look at the clock and it's 3.33. Then I know, okay, the Lord must be trying to tell me something. And I'll take a few minutes there and, and go into prayer and see what it is that I'm hearing and see what actions or whatever's going on. It, and maybe it's a warning about something that's going to happen the next day or maybe it's an answer to a problem. But get in the habit, though, of writing down things, especially if there's a vision, something that you're praying for. And, you know, write it down so that you can, you can take action on it. Um, this is proven to be very, 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 very valuable because you'd be surprised how the things that you can kind of um, solidify into words or, or in, in drawings even with, with a plan, uh, uh, you'd be surprised how sometimes things wind up materializing to the letter, to what you've written or what you've even drawn in some cases. Amen. Amen. And then Psalm 37. Psalm 37. Just a few more scriptures here. Psalm 37. Lord, how do I wait? Psalm 37, verse number 1. There's a lot here. And I won't dwell on it. Psalm 37 is an excellent psalm. I won't read the whole thing. But 37, starting at verse number 1. Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. You know, in the first place, too, just as a sidebar, you know, don't get yourself all bent out of shape when you see people that don't even know the Lord, that are supposedly prospering, you know. You know, yeah, the guy across the street, he's got a house on each continent, a boat in his backyard, three Cadillacs or whatever, da 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 and he doesn't even know the Lord. And look at me, you know, I know the Lord, I tithe every Sunday, and blah, 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 blah. Hey, don't fret yourself about evildoers, okay, or workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass, and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord, underline trust. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. All right? So while you're waiting, simply trust in God. You'll be fed. You'll be fed in terms of God will deliver whatever it is that you're looking, you're looking for to be delivered. Okay? Delight thyself in the Lord. Have some joy also in the Lord. He shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. So committing thy way to the Lord is saying, well, gee whiz, while I'm waiting, you know, Lord, I'm just going to commit it to you. I'm going to give it to you. Okay? You know, and, and, and interesting use of the word commit there, you know, if someone has a rum... You know, if someone has some, uh, uh, you know, psychological or emotional problems that you simply cannot deal with, say it's a family member, you know, and it's above your, way beyond your expertise to care for that person, you've heard the term was, I had to commit that person to the hospital. I had to commit them to the institution. That means that you're giving them over for their care because you cannot do it yourself. Okay, that means that you're committing them to someone else's care. Commit your way into the Lord is the same thing. It's meaning that I can't handle this by myself. I can't handle this waiting. Whatever it is that I'm waiting for, I, can't, I certainly can't make it come to pass any faster. So, Lord, I'm just going to give it to you. I'm going to give it to you. And when you commit it to him, uh, it says also to trust in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light and thy justice in the noonday. Rest in the Lord. Wait patiently. Please in the line, wait patiently. Wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked devices to pass again. But the key parts there is rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Please in the line. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Okay, and again, that's that thing of resting in God and waiting patiently for him. And then the last scripture, the very last scripture is Matthew 6. 
Matthew 6. Okay. Now, reading the scripture by itself, as I'm sure you have many, many times, but reading it again, let's read it in context to what it is we've just been discussing, relative to Holy Spirit <clears throat> and so on like that, and soaring like uh, wings of eagles, eagles and so on. For, uh, starting with verse number, twi- number 23. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, now great is that darkness. No man can serve two masters. I didn't need to go. Go to 25. I don't need the, the keys at 25. Jump to 25. Sorry. Therefore I say unto you, be not anxious for your life, what you shall eat, or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body. What ye shall put on is not the life more than food, and the body more than raiment, or or more than clothing. Okay? There are things in life a lot more important than food and clothing. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather unto barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much better than they? Underline that if you don't have it already underlined. Are you not much better than they? Which of you, by being anxious, can add one cubit unto his stature? Okay, highlight all of 27. Which of you, by being anxious, can add one cubit by his stature? Okay. If that was the case, I'd be six foot four. You know, by now. <laughs> all right. Okay. okay. Worrying does not do anything. It does not accomplish anything. You cannot change anything by having anxiety or worrying about something. Verse 28. And why are you anxious for raiment? Clothing. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Underline, O you of little faith. Therefore, be not anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or with what shall we be clothed? For after all of these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all of these things. Please underline, for your heavenly Father uh, knows of all these things you have need of. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these uh, things shall be added unto you. Be therefore not anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow shall be anxious for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is its own evil. Uh, in the original Greek, that was uh, trouble. Sufficient unto the day is uh, uh, sufficient unto the day is its own trouble. All right. So what what God is saying here, or Jesus is saying here, is that if all of these other things God just takes care of, the grass, the birds, and so on like that, God, we are certainly much higher in God's um, importance than all of that. God will certainly take care of you. You can't change anything by worrying. So while you're doing this waiting period, do not get all stressed out about it. But that God knows what you have need of. God knows, you know. So we say to ourselves, God knows that I have this need. So I'm going to wait. I'm going to let Holy Spirit guide me. In the meantime, while I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here in Les Schwab, quote-unquote, you know, I'm going to rely on Holy Spirit. I'm going to read my word. I'm going to pray and let God just guide me. And as I know, I know that from day to day, God will provide whatever it is that I need. Whatever anxiety that I have, God will take care of it. Whatever need I have to sustain me until that dream or that vision or whatever it is that you're hoping for and waiting for comes to pass, that God will carry you through in the meantime. Amen? Amen? So that is the secret on, on waiting for God. God knows God knows the issue. And see, and also you don't know what God is, is working on while you are waiting. God could be working on some other plan. I mean, there's something else that maybe God may be about to bless you with exactly what it is that you're praying for. But there's something that God is working on to prepare the way. To prepare the way. You know, we all we all know about our um what was it uh, was it Elijah that was sent over to um, to the woman whose son wound up dying and he said to prepare the cakes for me first and she said I only have a little bit of flour a little bit of oil and you know I, I want to make these two cakes for my son and I and die and he said no prepare it for me first and as a result of so doing she wound up being blessed because not only did the food not run out but he was there for when the boy died 
Amen. So, and all that was set up. He told her to go there and so on like that. And, and we see many things in Scripture where God is working on something miles away, perhaps, quote unquote, working on something over here while you are over here. And it's just a matter of Him getting you in His time to where He wants you to be. Amen. Amen. So, think about these things. Pray about them. I pray this message has been a blessing to you. And now, before we close, let us prepare to honor God with our tithes and offerings.